Yes, hello. Hey, how are you doing? This is Jason Sims calling you. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Can, can you hear me all right? Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm walking down the street in Manhattan. So. Oh, is, what, is, are you okay to talk? Yeah, as long as y'all can hear me. Um, yeah, I can hear you just fine. <clears throat> I was, uh, I've been in the office all day. The last time we spoke, uh, you were in your office. They were on a Saturday. And yeah. We, we had Alex, uh, we were actually, you know, I'm just telling the people who are listening to this thing. Alex and I actually spoke before, but, uh, y'all never heard it because it's sitting on my computer halfway edited. And then I, I lost apparently the ability to run a podcast by myself. <laughs> and it, it, it was dormant for six months. And then, uh, uh, Noah, who's the producer of this thing now, came along and poked me with a stick and said, look, I'll help you with this thing if you'll do it again. So here we are. We had a good long chat too. I think that was good. It may, it may, um, it may resurface. Right. Maybe a classic, (laughs) classic episode. The early years. The early years. The early months. So you're walking through Manhattan. What's what's going on around you? Everything. Uh, Well, my office is right. uh, It's just a block away from Macy's, right in the middle of Herald Square. Oh wow! So. There are mobs of tourists everywhere. That sounds unpleasant. Yeah, and I've been, I'm like serious with mobs. Like, the scenes in 50 where Justin Hoffman is walking down the street with just wall wall people on the sidewalk. Uh huh. That's what it's like right now. Wow, so you're, you're sort of like Justin Hoffman right now. Yeah. Minus the wig. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, are, are you, you're done for the day, I would assume? I am, yeah. We had volunteers come in today. Um, we're we're doing a big end of the year push, so we had a bunch of people in helping out and I was uh in for that. So. And, and you work for the comic book legal defense fund, for what I remember. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Was it what is so it what I, you do there again? I need to I need to reintroduce that organization. <laughs> um we're a a free speech uh free speech group. We uh Mostly comics, but we branched out a little bit uh, into other other pop culture. Mm-hmm. But we raise money for free speech education and uh, legal work. If it comes to that, if an artist or a uh, comic shop or somebody like that is busted for selling a theme material or creating a theme material, uh, we do a lot of advising of artists of their rights and uh, just general free speech advocacy. How often? How often does that happen? More often than you think. Uh, lately, we mostly deal with a lot of library challenges. Mm-hmm. So, um, you have to excuse me if I can try to do. Oh, that's fine. I'm not kidding about the mobs of tourists. This is probably a bad idea. <laughs> well, we can we, we can wait. How 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 long do you think it'll be before you're out of? Uh, no, no, I'm good. Tourist mob. Okay. Uh, yeah, but do, do, uh, let your first priority be keeping yourself alive and your second yeah, yeah. priority talking to me. <laughs> we don't want to have the first uh, on, on, uh, on-call death. You uh, say you don't? I do not, yeah. No, I will totally say that I don't. <laughs> in fact, if it ends up happening now, I will feel even worse about it for having brought it up. You jinxed me. We deal with a lot of library challenges mm-hmm. currently. Um, Libraries are starting to really beef up their crappy novel collections. Right. So, 
was uh, a lot of communities. So I just last week, uh, a library book was uh, pulled from from the shelves in South Carolina um, due to due to graphic content, mm-hmm. and it was pulled by a library director against the wishes of a uh, of the selection committee. So we wrote a letter in defense of the book, along with the uh, uh, Office of Intellectual Freedom and some other groups like that. But uh, we spend a lot of time educating librarians and trying to help them, you know, defend the right for comics to be in libraries, which sounds crazy. It sounds like it's not even a conversation. But uh, it is a constant argument that librarians are having with communities and, and you know, library directors. About just having comics in libraries, period? In a lot of cases, yeah, just period, just in general. Um, they are perceived as, uh, you know, kind of trash culture. Right, not being less than literary, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of that, and then there's constant issues. Right. So, which is bizarre. It's, uh, comic stores dealt with this a lot in the 80s when comic stores kind of exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, 20 years later, libraries are dealing with it. Do you think sometimes there, there's problems when when libraries and librarians don't know how to shelve this, these things? Because sometimes they just assume if something's comic, that, oh, well, this is, for, yeah, this is for kids. There is that. In this particular case, which is which is one of our education work, actually, yeah. is, you know, library and resource guys. In this particular case, the book in question was uh, in the adult section. Mm-hmm. But the kid, I think it was a 14-year-old girl, is an Alan Moore uh, book that's fairly explicit. Um, she had an adult library card, which she got that parental permission to get. Mm-hmm. And then her guardian uh, looked through the book and okayed it. Okay. And then when she got it home, the mom decided that she didn't like that the girl was reading it that it was uh, it was shelved properly, and it was you know it's a bizarre complaint. Okay, yeah. So was the, was the mother the one that had approved it in the first place? Yeah. Okay. Well, weird, man. Well, it's, and, and I, as a parent, I could see maybe the parent just assumed maybe the parent didn't do her due diligence in looking at the thing. Is what I would assume happened on that. Yeah, I. That's, Exactly what happened. Yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like you and I have fairly similar backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of like how we were raised. Yeah. I feel like my parents would, uh, they would kind of like slap the book out of my hand yeah. and be like, "What are you doing reading that?" And that would be the end of it. <laughs> that, that, that particular problem wouldn't have occurred. <laughs> if I would never. In a million years, yeah. say, how dare that librarian right, right, yeah, yeah. allow me to hand you this book? Yes. Right. So, so I mean, that, that is, I mean, that, I think that's, you know, no matter where somebody is on the content issue, I think that's something you could agree with as the, yeah. the parent's responsibility in that case. Yeah. I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let them know that, that you and I, uh, we, we've made a ruling. Yeah. I think that we have. Just come down on the side of right in this I, I tell you what, Alex, if you have any more tough cases, you just let me know. <laughs> just call me up and we'll we'll adjudicate them right here. We, we can take it to the court of people who are raised by parents in the South in the early 80s. 
Yes, where was, everything was the fault of the child. <laughs> that was the default setting, and default meant yeah. was default was yours. Yeah. Why are you looking at that? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Um. So where where are you now? Are you uh, now, out of the I, I'm, Yeah, I'm out of the uh, out of the fray. Um, out of out of the forest morass. I'm in the. I'm on 6th Avenue and 29th Street, so I'm heading south in a general angle direction. So somebody, a New York person, would know what that meant? Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. It means I'm kind of in the middle of nowhere. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> so are you, are you headed back to Brooklyn? That's where you live, right? Yeah, Brooklyn? yeah, I live in, in that side of that. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm gonna. I've got some errands to run down in the Union Square area in the okay. night tonight, so I'm taking a stroll. Is it? Is it? I'm about to pass the Fashion Institute of Technology. Okay. Uh, so, um, what was? Is it? How's the weather? This is the most boring thing in the world to talk about, but I am actually genuinely curious with how the weather is. Uh, typically, New York is almost exactly the same as it is in uh, in your neck of the woods. Okay. Maybe five to ten degrees colder. Okay. Uh, so it's, so it's pleasant. It's, so it's pleasant out now, right? Yes, then. Oh, it's really nice, yeah. yeah. It's breezy, it's chilly, but it's nice. Yeah. I have to always compare weatherness with my family, and uh, it always tends to be about the same. Now, the area, you're, you're, you're from up around Bridgeport? Uh, north. The University of the South area. Swanee. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Winchester and Swanee. Okay. It's yep. difficult. I mean, I grew up probably 45 minutes away from Huntsville. Okay. But there's nothing of note. Right. And I don't I don't find myself up in that area very often, so I probably wouldn't even know about yeah. anything up there. Uh, were you the ones that said you the one that said you had eaten at the the Gibson's Barbecue on uh, South Parkway there? Oh yeah, just recently. Oh um, wow. Okay. A year or two ago, me and my dad took one of my nieces to. Uh, Space Rocket Center and they stopped there and like that. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's that's a, a family favorite. Yes. Well, there there are lots of anybody that's from this area knows that there was there was Big Bob Gibson and he had this barbecue place in Decatur, Alabama, and it's still there. And that's the one that where they make the white this, this white sauce that everybody knows about, and they win all these barbecue sure. awards. And I think the guy who runs it now is one of his descendants, and he's been on the Today Show and stuff. Well, all of that guy's kids. Or a lot of them went out and started barbecue places. So there, I know that there's like, I want to know, I want to say there's at least three or four Gibsons in Huntsville that are different incarnations of that, different branches of that family. And then there's a place called Little, Little Paul's, which is right across from the Huntsville Hospital, which is he's also an offshoot of the Gibson. Uh, well, tree. we, my dad likes to go to the original, so he's yeah. been going there forever. Yeah. Um, but my sister-in-law grew up in Huntsville. Okay. And whenever we have a big family event, her parents always bring us a bunch of barbecue, and that's a big deal. So yeah. that is a uh, it's a nice little uh, landmark. That's a go-to. That's a go-to around here. So a lot of times, if you want to feed a, a whole bunch of people, yeah, because you can you get like a big mess of pulled pork, and then you get like packs of buns, and you get sauce and sauce. Yeah, it is. Uh, I like the straightforwardness of the establishment. Yes. There's not a lot of thrills. It's like, here's your table, 
and here's a stack of paper napkins, and that's all you get. Yes. That's and all you need. Have a glass of water. That's yes. all you need. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. It's just wood paneling mm-hmm. and pork. Yes. That's all you need to know. Not much in the way of pick four. No. I'm beyond that. You don't don't need a whole lot. It kind of looks like a stripped-down Denny. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of does. The the Gibson's on South Parkway, we... we, uh, It's just down the the road. uh, We're we're friends friends of ours where we attend mass on Sunday, so... We'll go down there afterwards and eat breakfast sometimes because we go for, to, to early. To early for me, which is 9 o'clock in the morning. That's pretty early. And then right. afterwards we'll go have, I guess that's technically brunch, but if you said brunch inside that place, you'd probably get slapped. Oh, yeah. So we have to call it breakfast. <laughs> yeah. There are no mimosas uh, being served in the, in the distance while I'm here. I have never occurred to me um, until... Until very recently, even though I've been in New York for 15 years or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just the fact that once you cross that line and you're in the city, brunch is an aspect of life that yeah. you take for granted. And once you go back, brunch is a thing that does not exist. <laughs> you just flip the switch in your brain where it's like, that's not a thing that's no, going it's, to it's, 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 like, it's almost like it is some sort of geographical phenomenon like a mountain. I, I will be physically unable to yeah. drag any other humans out to eat and breakfast items after 10 a.m. Right. Like, you you, yeah. you, you see the, the mountain. It would be just like, you know, this mountain is in this place, and once I leave this place, I can no longer see this mountain. Yeah. That's it. So what am I hearing? What the, oh, I don't know. Did you just hear a subway go by? Yeah, I guess I heard a subway. subway. Yeah. This is very exciting to hear a subway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of math, yes. Um, I don't know if you have discussed this yet on your podcast. Did you find growing up uh, Catholic in the South was that uh, problematic at all? I, I can't. I can't answer that question because I did not grow up Catholic. Oh, I grew up Baptist, so I was practically invisible. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that's sort of the down here. You were wearing religious camouflage. Yes. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was a latent. Waited into the background. I was a latent uh, uh, papist waiting to, uh, <laughs> waiting to be activated. Yeah, yeah, I grew up, I grew up very Baptist. And that, that would be a long story, but. Uh, Do you understand the crux of my question? Yes. Oh, cause I've been, yeah, because I've been on the other side of it uh, looking sure. at Catholicism and thinking it was the most bizarre thing in the world, yeah. Yeah, I, I know growing up, you know, friends with a handful of Catholics, yes. and they, and, you know, it rarely came up, but when it did, people looked at them like, what are you thing in the world that somebody might be Catholic? Right. Which is and weird, because at least in the West, that's kind of the default setting yeah. for Christianity. <laughs> you yeah. would not know that if you grew up where I grew up. I mean, it's just... Oh no! You yeah. would think it was a cult. Yes, and you and I and I was told many times that it was a cult. Yeah, I heard. Many oh yeah, times. yeah. I don't know that I, that I was ever directly taught that, but I heard people say that. You know, it was, sure. it was pretty common. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. You might as well have said you grew up on Jupiter. Yes. Well, what's interesting? Here's what's interesting: the, the town I grew up in, the town I grew up near, is a place called Coleman, and Coleman was 
founded by Germans. So these or these Germans, this German gentleman named Colonel Coleman came over and bought a bunch of land, and he brought a bunch of Germans over, and so they built this town. And so a lot of them, you know, because Germany is a mixed country, so a lot of them were Lutherans, and a lot of them were Catholics. So there actually has been a Catholic presence in the place I grew up for a long time. In fact, there's a Benedictine monastery there. Now there's a Franciscan, uh, Franciscan nuns that have this beautiful, um, uh, I guess, convent. Then there's also Benedictine nuns there. I mean, they, and then there's a big Catholic church in the middle of town, which I had never seen the inside of. I grew up, you know, going into that town my entire life. I had never seen the inside of it until I was in my 30s. <laughs> I didn't go in there, you know. It was just a... Yeah. In fact, when I was little, I used to think it was Disney World because I had those two big spires, and I thought it was Cinderella's Castle when I was really little because I didn't know you couldn't see to Florida. Uh-huh. So, yeah. But anyway, so so I grew up, you know, Catholics, I think, are still maybe 2 to 3% of the population in, in Alabama, and that might even count, you know, immigrants. You know, a lot, we have sure. a lot of, a lot of uh, immigrants from Mexico uh-huh. and other places down south where they're, where they're more Catholic population. But now Huntsville itself is actually one of probably one of the, you know, Mobile's very Catholic. Mobile has like a Catholic heritage, and then Birmingham has a lot of Catholics. And then Huntsville, there's a lot of people from all around the country here that came to work on the space program and for the, for the military. So we actually have probably more, more parishes here. We're in the Diocese of Birmingham. We have more parishes here than anywhere except Birmingham. Uh, Birmingham. Huh having a bigger population than in Birmingham had a, you know, like a, a, a I think a, a larger Italian population. And they, yeah. they even have some Eastern Catholic churches down in Birmingham. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just read a book about Bernard von Braun, and I yeah. absolutely can't remember what religion it, that he was. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, um, but, yeah, he's, he, you see his name around here <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. The, Civic, the Civic Center is named after him. It's called the von Braun Center. And then there's an observatory up on uh, Montesano uh, named after him. Yep. He's a, a fascinating individual. Yes. I, I, I used to joke that the difference, what's, what's the difference in someone being a war criminal or not being a war criminal? That's like, I'm great to Yeah. Do you know how to build one? <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and not to not to be too. I don't know enough about the man and his story. Probably the I don't want to be judgmental, but it just seems weird. A guy, you know, you build this V two rocket. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah, this is probably a whole other podcast. Yeah, he, uh, as far as I can tell, had he not made an effort to defect, um. Because, you know, him and his top crew, as soon as they realized what was happening, they all, they bumbled everything. Right. But, I'm sure, as you know, uh, more, more people died building those rockets under his watch. More, you know, people by a slave labor died wow. building these two than actually were killed we'll by kill these rockets. Because it was sort of a blunt instrument. I mean, it was a, not, a, not a very accurate weapon, right? Uh, it was, it was accurate, but not, not powerful. They didn't have the um, the budget from okay. the end to fill enough of them with ammunition. Gotcha. So okay. a good deal of them just added a concrete kit, so they just kind of were a collision instrument. Yeah. Or they were filled with uh, propaganda, and they would land and, you know, pamphlets would fly everywhere. Yeah. That's bizarre. Yeah. They were just 
it's enormously expensive. Um, and they took a, a lot of, a, a lot of deadbolts to put up in those factories. Wow. Um, yeah, and, you know, I, I, I suspect he probably spent the rest of his life deeply regretting his involvement that program. I, yeah, I, I would guess, but I mean, it, it's hard, it, it's hard to judge, you know, what people put in that position. Yeah, you know, on the one hand, he was, you know, he was a very uh, loyalty, you know, he was a, a bond con. So, the rise of national socialism, none of those guys wanted to see that happen. They were right. losing their heritage right. and their titles. On the other hand, he was part of the Wapen SS, and, you know, you have to assume a little bit of complicitness, you know. So he's, a, he's an interesting guy, and my when I went to uh, the last time I was at the Space Center, they had a little, you know, there's a, some historical information about Von Braun, and I, I find his uh, dual nature, I guess, mm-hmm. although like everybody else, I'm sure he can say multiple, but you know what I mean. Right, right. Multiple so times. The, du- uh, the dual way he people. Uh, uh, view him or kind of interact with his memory, I guess. Yeah, yes, there is a conversation to be had about yeah. him that goes beyond this guy's American hero that's a rocket. I mean, right. he absolutely is. Right. But I think it's more fascinating that there's another element to him. Um, and I think it makes him almost all the more admirable because in the same way, uh, who's the politician from Alabama uh, that was shot? And he completely uh, George Wallace. Yeah, George Wallace, who is just a horrible human. Um, yeah, segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. Yeah, that was George yeah. Wallace. And then he spent the last half of his life fighting that tooth and nail. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of have more admiration for these guys that have kind of rose to the moment mm-hmm. and, and kind of undo or try to undo what yeah. they did, you know? Right. Well, I mean, that's the best. I mean, anyone who's done a terrible thing. I mean, I guess that if we're just dealing strictly in human terms, uh, anybody that's done a terrible thing, I guess the best thing you would hope that they could do with their life is try to not do terrible things in the future. I mean, that's, you can't undo what you've done. But what, what else do you want people to do? You know what I mean? The only thing yeah, you can I, do at that point is there's something uh, fascinating to me about people that do something horrible and then say, "Can I?" I'll cut the swear, but I won't. And then go, gosh darn it, what did I do? Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, start pedaling backwards. Right. Um, I, I like people that admit mistakes. Um, well, you know, worse than people that pretend they never happened. Right. And, and, you know, we, we have not, obviously not all uh, fired V2s at London or built V2s that were fired at London, and we've not all ran factories, uh, you know, staff by slave labor, but we've all done things that we shouldn't have done. I mean, we all can look back at our lives and have regrets. So, I mean, that, that's... The conversation that comes up in the comic world a lot. Uh, are you familiar with comics at all? A little. Do you know Tintin uh, books? Tintin, uh, yeah. A, a little. I mean, just uh, probably as much as the next guy, but yeah. Okay, well, you're, you're familiar. Yeah. Uh, because the... Uh, the ACE train underneath me right now. <laughs> That's very exciting, and yeah. <laughs> uh, have you ever been up here? I have not. I would, I would love to, but I have not. Yeah. 
you need to come someday. Uh, uh, yeah, I would, lo- I would love to come up here. Joke, I would love to come uh, up there. We'll have, I'll come up there and we'll have brunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to 1010. Since it was created by a guy named Harrisay, when the guy was really young, he was originally created in a scouting newspaper. Um, so the guy must have been, I think he was maybe 19 when he started drawing Tintin strips. Yeah. Uh, and the first several volumes of Tintin, which, again, have been banned in libraries all over the place, are just disgustingly racist. Um, they have these horrible caricatures. Uh, there's one called Tintin in the Congo, which is, uh, if you're interested in Belgian colonialism in the 20s, it is a textbook. Uh, it is a must read. This yeah. is just about, you know, it's all of these Congolese natives saying, oh, thank you, you know, great white savior for coming to pull us out of uh, our savage ways. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, parting Tintin around in a, uh, what is this thing called? Uh, a leader or a, um, the chair on yeah, the, uh, yeah, like a, uh, yeah, there's, there's a fancier word for them, but I think they're like, yeah. called a, a, a leader. How win. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and he, at a certain point, grew up, and, and, you know, this is a kid who was in Belgium drawing comics. Yeah. And all he knew about the Congo was what he had been told, um, which at the time was awful. Yeah. Uh, he, he grew up, and he started to travel the world, and he started to meet other people that weren't, you know, just more than European buddies. And the latter Simpson books are, are the, the last couple are almost just meditations on Tintin kind of regretting colonialism in a, in a very broader sense. And just, uh, there, there's, I think it's maybe the last one, Tintin in Nepal, um, where he spends the whole time searching for his friend, who's a Nepalese native, and, uh, he can't find him, and it's just, this really kind of heart-wrenching stretch where he, you know, kind of metaphorically searching for the lost culture. Um, but, and then Harry himself wanted all of those books kind of to not really see the light of day with the rest of the Tintin books. Um, he was hugely embarrassed and he regretted what he had, you know, yeah. those stories. Yeah. And there's still people that look at those and go, oh, that guy was racist. Right. Um, and the same thing with Osama Tezuka, who's, you know, one of the great world cartoonists. Uh, he created Astro Boy and a million other things. Um, one of the top three greatest cartoonists in history, probably. But, you know, he grew up in an art studio in Tokyo, and when he drew black people, it wasn't super flat. Right, right. Um, Will Eisner, who created the spirit and a bunch of other stuff, uh, same thing. And he spent the last half of his career apologizing. Right. Well, I guess, but, I mean, we're, we're all, we all come from where we come from, and we're all, we don't know what we're soaking in until we crawl out of it, you know, because you're in it. It's like the yeah. air that you breathe, and we... You can't come from anywhere except where you come from. That's... Yeah, no, and these guys, and, and I find it um, exceptional that they realized that yeah. and worked to reverse this. Yeah. 
um, particularly when it comes to art, when they could have really easily just ignored their critics and let it speak for itself, right. and, you know? Right. Um, an awful lot of authors have done that, where they write something objectionable in a moral sense, and then just kind of shrug their shoulders. Right. They're, they want, um, they want the, the freedom without the responsibility, I guess. Well, and I think there's a, a, an ego that's often yeah. earned, but where you just think, you know, if you don't like it, <laughs> that's your problem. Yeah. It's, on, it's on the shoulders of the viewer to right. take it or leave it. So. Well, Alex, I, in all honesty, would love to talk more about this, and maybe one day we will. Uh, but we've kind of reached the, the time. Did I just totally eat up the entire podcast? No, you did not eat it up. You, no, you enriched it. <laughs> you uh, used it well. So, no, I, 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 I could not be happier. Now, I'm really glad that we decided to, to do the call again, and, and maybe the original call. Uh, on the oh, 50th yeah. anniversary, uh, as part of the 50th anniversary special, sure. uh, when we're doing, well, we're trying to explain to people what phones were, you know, in 50 years. Um, yeah, in some ways. That's what we call the document, and, and racism. <laughs> we're trying to explain what, you know, before everyone was the same color. Are you okay? Oh, yeah, no. Okay, that would have been, that would have been yeah. terrible if that had been it. The only only touchstone that people will recognize is Astro Boy in 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> After the robot apocalypse. Yeah. So, so to the robots who listen to this in 50 years, uh, we, we we tried. I'm sorry. Yeah. We tried. <laughs> Maybe you guys could do better. Anyway, I'll just try that part. Yeah, well, I'm, they don't know that. They're robots. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Okay. okay. But anyway, I hope you have a good time. Yeah, you as well. Thanks for the call. And I'm sure I will talk to you again. Absolutely. All right, goodbye. All right, bye.